Talks. Meet people through their music. With Ash Berdebez on FBI. On Out of the Box this week, we have a guest who really doesn't need more airtime, Janice Peterson. If you've had the right channel on, she's been in your lounge room for the past seven years, every weeknight at 6.30 on SBS One and again at 10.30, co-hosting SBS World News. Janice started out as a punk in Woi Woi, then uh, became an autocue operator and slowly rose through the ranks of journalism to bring you the highs and lows of the world every night. And now she's provided a sweet soundtrack to the next hour on FBI Radio. Welcome, Janice. Thank you so much, Ash. How was it putting together this playlist? It was like going back in time. It was really, I got really sentimental and I took it really seriously. It was, it was painful, actually. It was quite <laughs> torturous. So, wow, yeah, you've put me through a, a full-on few days, but I've really enjoyed it. I'm sorry for putting you through this ordeal, but hopefully it's paid off. I hope so. Well, uh, the listeners will be the judge of that, Ash. Yeah, text in. Tell us how you're feeling about Janice's choices on 0409 945 945. I'll only tell all the positive things you say, but, I mean, you know, feel free to say what you really think. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, so we've got the first track by a band called L7, is it? That's right, yeah. yeah and, and what do these people mean to you? Well, I've got to cast my memory back to probably about year eight or nine at Woi Woi High School, which is, Woi Woi is a, basically a sleepy hamlet town on the New South Wales Central Coast. That's where I grew up. It was as far away as you could get from the right girl punk scene in LA. But somehow me and my friends drew inspiration and um, felt some sort of kinship or bond to this particular type of music to such an extent that we actually formed our own all-girl band <laughs> at Woi Woi High. Yeah. How did at, that not take off? Lack of talent, perhaps. <laughs> That it sounded really crap, probably, but um, hey, we had fun and L7 were basically loud, rude, obnoxious and just no shame, really. Really and, good role models. So. And it was everything that you wanted as a teenage girl. They were a little bit dangerous and edgy and ignited the fire in our bellies to, to kick some ass. Could I ask? Do you remember the name of that band that you started? Oh, that's really embarrassing. It yeah, had, that's why I asked. It had, a, it had a, they always are, aren't they? It had a working title of Omelette. Well, there's a band. Did you just, you just laughed at me. I didn't, just, I tried to keep it quiet. Um, but there's a there's an artist in Melbourne called Pikelet, and that totally goes down a okay. tree. I mean, it's not that bad. Okay. You shouldn't be ashamed. Well, hey. And you were 15. It, it, yeah, I was 15 and it's, you know, omelettes are nice to eat, I guess.
I do like the clap track at the end of that. Yeah, it's a nice but touch. the vocals are so in your face. They're so mean and tough and that's what we wanted as teenage girls. We wanted to be out there and in people's faces. My, Me and my friends, we would surf, skate. We had our own band and I look back at my teenage years with no regrets there was no cheerleading there was none of that sort of stuff it was it was really fun Can and I, I say you're making me lament my childhood <laughs> <laughs> sounds pretty good oh Ash I think you've turned out all right was it something about Woi Woi that meant that you guys could be quite alternative well I guess I didn't give it that much thought I I suppose I was fortunate to have found a group of friends who were like-minded and you know I can thank my lucky stars that my brother was really cool and he had an awesome collection of music and and does to this day is very passionate about that so I was um, sort of the apprentice to his master when it comes to music (laughs) he was you know he was seriously had some great tracks he would get things on import and I would not have the musical knowledge and appreciation that I do today if it wasn't for my brother Dale. Speaking of which, shall we whack on a track by Pixies? Do it! All right, it's happening. Yeah. There was a guy An underwater guy who could troll the sea
Out of the Box on FBI Radio. My name is Ash Bertabez. My guest today on the show is Janice Peterson, who presents the SBS World News, but we're taking a few tracks from this nostalgic era in her childhood. And, uh, and why is that one nostalgic for you? So many memories have come flooding back. That was the first song I ever learnt on the bass guitar. My brother had a bass guitar in his bedroom and um, he let me use it. And this song with that beautiful bass line from Kim Deal of the Breeders fame as well. Great again to have a female role model. And, and there were a lot of female bass players like um, Kim Gordon in Sonic Youth as well. Smashing Pumpkins had a female bass player. And so, yeah, I I picked up the bass and had really good memories. That, that was a song I could play straight away after picking <laughs> up the bass. Awesome. Yeah, I think when you're, you know, 15 and trying to learn something, if it takes you more than 10 minutes, you're like, I'm not cut out for this. No, that's right. Never gonna... Did you ever try to sing that song, though, when you were playing? When God is heaven! <laughs> <laughs> Nailed it. Yes. Absolutely nailed it. <laughs> All right. So we're looking back at the Woi Woi days and you went to Woi Woi High. So what yes. kind of a student were you? I was pretty studious. Um, my parents weren't strict, but I think they instilled in me, uh, you know, a sense of being true to yourself and doing your best. They fled the apartheid regime in South Africa and so... Uh, I guess there was always this thing bubbling under the surface that we have fled a country that wouldn't give you a chance. You now have to make something of yourself here in the, and in a country where your skin colour isn't going to matter. Do you think your parents taught you that explicitly, saying you should be really grateful to be here, or do you just kind of know that growing up? I don't remember them actually sitting me down and telling me that, but just hearing some of the stories and the harrowing experiences that they witnessed and went through, um, it was a given. And so we've got a track from Hard Ons. Yes. An Australian great. They are so prolific, I realised last yeah. night. It, they have how many albums? I don't know, like 10? Yeah, Ridiculous. yeah. Yeah, probably more, yeah. And so why did you want to bring on Raining? Well, I had to play this song because, again, it's really good memories of my teenage years. Woi Woi, obviously, we didn't get much action as far as the music scene goes. And there wasn't even that many all-age shows even in Sydney. But we did, me and my friends did manage to hop on a, a train with our $2 student uh, concession and head into the Big Smoke and, and go to some all-age gigs. And there was one particular event where the hard-ons played so I just marched up to them after the gig and said oh I really enjoyed that you guys should come and play at my school oh yeah where's that why why <laughs> so I I ended up they said well you know give our manager a call and see how you go so I did exactly that I suppose you don't second guess yourself when you're a ballsy teenager and you've been listening to Riot Girl, you know, you can do anything. So I did call the manager. He was quite pleasantly surprised by my gusto and he said, well, it happens that we are doing a little tour up the coast of New South Wales. So yeah, maybe we can. If you raise some money for us, we can uh, play at your school. So I managed to, well, convince my principal that we should ditch our monthly disco f and get a band called The Hard-Ons to play. Yeah, that probably would have been a little bit difficult, I'm guessing. Or was was he all about hard-ons? Well, it was a, a <laughs> woman and uh, all about... Which principal <laughs> is all about hard-ons? What school did you go to? 
I, I can't tell you that's defamation, I think. Gosh. <laughs> um, I, I think my principal was um, kind of so, so of a different generation that perhaps she didn't get the nuance of that title of a band, <laughs> thankfully. So, oh, yes. no, we managed to uh, get together with a rival high school. We combined our school disco for that month to feature the hard-ons and it was an absolute blast. Yeah, disco legends, hard-ons right now on your radio. <laughs> Raining is the track you're hearing. You listen to Out of the Box on FBI. My guest today, Janice K. Peterson. It's like it's raining, raining in my head. I face the morning, must be a mistake. I like sleeping in, I like waking late. Don't wanna open my eyes. Looks like it's raining again. Looks like she's weeping, weeping in my bed. on the hall at Woi Woi High School, the hair flying, us kids. I mean, most of the kids there would never have heard of the hard-ons, but they were jumping up and down. And I can put my hand on my heart and say that was an awesome idea. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. Man, you, you had a lot of confidence then to actually go straight ahead and just make that happen. I mean, a lot of kids wouldn't have done that, even yeah. if they absolutely adored that band. Do you think that you were a particularly confident kid? I wasn't at all. I was That's really shy and I never had ambitions to be a news presenter. I really wanted to be a journalist and I am a journalist and I studied journalism at university. But if you had have turned around in 1999 and said to me while I was studying one day you'll be sitting in front of a camera, I would have ran for the hills. That would have completely frightened me. But I suppose when, as far as the the hard-ons thing went, if I delve deeper into it, I, I guess the fact that we, I felt that we were being denied good live music, there was something to ah, overcome. And I that, see. It's, yeah. it's the injustice that yes. motivates you, which yeah. is kind of like with journalism. If you don't have, you know, the confidence, it's the injustice that'll get you covering those stories. Yes. Yeah. Or so getting that band to your disco. That's, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Did you ever have kind of nervous issues when you were starting out with journalism? I mean, it's a pretty full on thing just being thrown into an interview with someone who's clearly really knowledgeable in their field a lot of the time. I think the biggest thing 
that I um, grappled with when I was first starting out, um, just doing a bit of news presenting in Adelaide actually on a, on a weekend was just the thought that it's such an intimate thing being in someone's living room and they're watching you and just the thought of all these eyeballs watching me and the fact that I wouldn't I don't know who they are and I I don't know I sort of got quite overwhelmed by that fact and the 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 gravitas that comes with that sort of position and that you have to actually bring to that position. Um, yeah, that's right. But I don't think about it now. It's more it's more a case of that I am a storyteller, essentially. I need to convey to you the meaning and some of the uh, emotions involved and just the pure information of the story that I'm telling you. But I don't get carried away with thinking who's watching me and how many people are sitting around analysing what I say. It's... I think it would make you crap if you did. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> right. like, oh, my God, <laughs> let me tell you about this really important issue that I'm freaking out about. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So in that case, like you have to kind of, you know, convey the meaning of the story and try to make sure that you're treating everything with the right amount of dignity or the right amount of playfulness if you've got a really playful story. Yeah, that's right. Did you go through much training to help you out with, you know, your voice and your presentation skills? Look, can I tell you that when I was working in Adelaide, they did, they had a maternity leave position come up for a weekend newsreader and basically an email got sent out to the whole newsroom there will be screen tests, you know, on a Tuesday afternoon. That's it. So, <laughs> you know, there was no voice training really. I'd done a tiny bit during my cadetship, but certainly nothing in front of the camera. And the camera doesn't lie. If you're uncomfortable, if you don't feel the story, if you're unsure about the meaning of a story, it will come through through either your voice or your facial expression. There's nowhere to hide in front of the camera. So you just have to believe in yourself. I thought, well, I've rolled the auto cue before for people like amazing newsreaders like Mary Kostakidis who worked at SBS. I'd done a, a tiny bit of work there she before. Was the first female news presenter from what I remember. Yeah, in Australia. And, and a legend. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so I thought, well, I've I've rolled the auto cue for Mary Kostakidis, uh, for, for Anton and for um, Indira Naidu, who was also an amazing newsreader. I thought I can do this. I just have to sit on the other side and and read the words and tell a story. And that's what I did. And thankfully, I did well enough to get that position. So I know your parents, they migrated here from South Africa during apartheid in order to escape the injustices there. Have they told you any stories of things that they went through in that time that would have, you know, deterred them from staying there? Yeah. uh, My father, for instance, had his mother was fair skinned and his father was darker skinned. And so when the apartheid regime came about, and this is one of the interesting things about those sorts of regimes. And when I hear about the stories from my parents, it's not actually, you know, that they were physically beaten by police or authorities or that sort of thing. But it's the day-to-day wearing down of the soul. So a simple thing like going to the shops with his mother, so my my dad would go to the shops with his mother, wait at the bus stop, she would have to get on the whites-only bus and he would get on the coloured people's bus. So imagine for a five-year-old kid to be torn apart from your mother just because you want to go to the shop. And when I was a kid... I can speak from personal experience. When I was a kid and we visited South Africa, I remember it was a stinking hot day. We had a car load full of kids 
um, couple of uncles driving around, stopping at a beach. Adult would get out, read a sign, nah, can't go there. Next beach, get out, nah, can't go there. These amazing, beautiful, pristine beaches, gorgeous water, the waves lapping the shore. And then I... I figured out that they were saying it's a whites-only beach and this is a whites-only beach as well. And I'm thinking, me and my cousins just want to have a swim. So in the end, we ended up at this public pool. It was absolutely jam-packed with people. There were people everywhere. It was pretty awful because you couldn't, you could hardly even dive in without jumping on someone. And I'm thinking, why couldn't we just go for a swim? So it's those things that really resonated with me. And if I think about some of the music that I naturally gravitated towards, it was, I suppose, even educating myself about other people in the world who were going through injustice. And growing up in Woi Woi, it was a beautiful place to grow up. There wasn't really overt racism. And so... I would listen to music like Public Enemy to get an appreciation of what other people with brown and black skin were going through in the world. We've got a song called By the Time I Get to Arizona. And for this one in particular, there's a bit of a backstory to it. You know? Yeah, there sure is. Um, the film clip to this song was only played once, I believe, on MTV because there was huge uproar and outrage over it. Chuck D, the singer had a quite a violent artistic take on a situation that was happening in Arizona where the state wouldn't recognise the Martin Luther King holiday. And so his portrayal was of a gunman who assassinates the mayor of Arizona. And uh, it was a, a quite a revolutionary song. One thing that didn't happen was that it didn't, radicalise me or it seems other black people in the United States. No one tried to assassinate the mayor of Arizona. What did happen though was a couple of years later it was the might of the dollar I think. The NFL with a lot of black players withdrew the Super Bowl from being played in Arizona through outrage of the fact that they didn't um, want to honour the Martin Luther King holiday and so soon after that Arizona did honour the Martin Luther King holiday, Chuck D1. Here it is. By the time I get to Arizona by Public Enemy, my guest today on Out of the Box is Janice Peterson. This is Sister Soldier. Public Enemy, security of the first world and all aligned forces are travelling west to head off a white supremacist team to destroy the national celebration of Dr. Martin Luther King's birthday. Public Enemy believes that the powers that be in the states of and Arizona have found psychological discomfort in paying tribute to a black man who tried to teach white people the meaning of civilization. Good luck, brothers. Show them what you got. Arizona, but my money is spent on a 
goddamn ring. Neither party is mine, not the jackass or the elephant. 20,000 Nicky Nicky puppets in the corner of the cell block, but they come from California. Population is none in the desert and sun with a gun-cracker running things under his thumb. Staring hard at the postcards, isn't it odd and unique? Seeing people smile while in the heat, 120 degrees, cause I wanna be free. What's a smiling face when the whole state's racist? Celebrated standing on the corner. I ain't drinking no 40. Drinking time with a nine. Till we get some land. Call me the trigger man. Looking for the governor. Huh. He ain't loving you hot. But hear the trouble. Yeah, he's rubbing you wrong. Get the point and come along. He can get to the joint. I urinated on the state while I was kicking this song. Yeah, you better be fair. The sucker over there. He tried to keep it yesteryear. The good old days. The same old ways that kept us dying. Yes, you, me, myself, and I, indeed. What he need is a nosebleed be between the lines. And then you see the lie, politically planned. And understand that's all she wrote. When we see the real side, the hide behind a boat. And they can't understand why he the man who's singing by the king. They don't like it when I decide to make it. Wait, I'm waiting for the day for the man who demands respect. Cause he was great. Come on, I'm on a one mission. Forget a politician to honor. Oh, he's a corner by the time I get to Arizona. <laughs> well, I got 25 days to do it. If I want away, just watch me go through it. Cause I gotta do what I gotta do. PE number one gets the job done. When it's done, it's over. Well, So I pray, I pray every day, I do and pray, try to make her. Uh, Living for culture, I got but not people to make her. Uh, pushing and shaking the structure, bringing down the Babylon. Here in the circle to make it hard for the brown. The heart full of what I need it now, more than ever now. Who's sitting on my freedom oppressor? People beat her, a piece of the pick. We picked a piece of the land we're serving now. Reparation, a piece of the nation, damn, we got the nerve. Another nigga they say and classify, we want too much. My people plus the nine is mine, don't think I even do. Here's the problem, my attitude is hit, I'm hang up high I'm blowing up the 90s, started ticking in 86 When the sign get a mind, better start fearing while we singing now There will be the day we know who's down and who will go, 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 go By the time I get to Arizona, Zona By the time I get to Arizona You are listening to Out of the Box on FBI 94.5. My name's Ash Bertabez. My guest today is Janice K. Peterson, who is the presenter, or the co-host, I should say, along with Anton Enos of SBS World News, bringing you the highs and lows of humanity 
every weeknight. That's what I do, Ash. That's what I do. Sweet gig, might I say. Oh, it's amazing. And and in all seriousness, I do feel so blessed. We were talking before about, um, you know, sitting in front of the camera and the fact that I didn't naturally gravitate towards that when I was younger. But I do, I feel blessed, you know, that I've been able to land such an amazing gig at a station that I'm really proud of. And I can hold my head high after each bulletin and know that we have have really tried to provide a fair and balanced picture of some of the amazing stories that are happening around the world. And we don't shy away from some of the more, uh, the tougher stories to watch. It, it isn't easy. And I understand at the end of a hard day's work, it's not the easiest thing to come home and see children dying in Syria, but... It is so important to get a grasp on what our brothers and sisters are going through around the world. And I think it makes us more compassionate, better people. I always thought that being involved in news might make me harder, but it hasn't at all. I think I've even become softer and I definitely have more compassion and drive to want to tell, make sure that these important stories are told. So when there are stories that actually really affect you and you have to present them on air, have you ever had any particular stories that have just really been quite triggersome to you, you know, really, you know, made you emotional on air? Not so much on air, but I can tell you I've cried many, many times when I'm watching the stories. I usually try and get a a grasp of the stories that I'm going to talk about, of course, beforehand. So I'll watch them at my desk at work or later that evening if I might have taped the news to watch a particular thing I'll watch back and I've yeah I've I've howled with tears I mean some of them are so gut-wrenching and pulling at your heartstrings yeah and I wonder sometimes how I'm going to get through the bulletin because I'm thinking I've just I've cried at my desk half an hour ago over this story I'm not quite sure how I'm going to get through it but there's, there is, um, uh, you know what, if one day I may crack it on air and I think you're allowed to be human, you don't, mm. you know, we're not robots and I think people would probably uh, not even forgive but, you know, feel some compassion that, yeah, that we have natural reactions to these stories too and, you know, at the moment there's the Andrew Chan Moran Sukumaran situation in Bali and... I can tell you I've woken up at 4am in a cold sweat just thinking about the things that these guys must be thinking right now. Whether you agree or not that they did a bad thing. um, Ten years ago. Yeah, it's it's just this, the anguish that they must be going through at night. And I know that I'd heard that Myron, he can't get to sleep at night because he's just waiting for that knock at the door to transfer him to the next prison. And it's it's hard to to reconcile that with yourself at the end of the uh, at the end of my day's work. I do wonder though, do your kids watch the news? Watch you on the news? My daughter, my, well, I've got two daughters. Um, the youngest is nineteen months. The oldest is is almost five. So the eldest gets it that I'm on the TV. The youngest 
gets a little distressed because she's constantly walking around the TV to try and see where I am because it's practically lifestyle life size. <laughs> so she can see mummy and she's she uh, well from what I've been told from my parents or Julian she'll point and say mama and as if I'm talking to her and then she gets quite anxious because she can't see the rest of me and she doesn't she doesn't get that I'm I'm not there behind the TV so yeah the TV has had to come off before so I've been told just so that she doesn't freak out oh that's so fascinating suddenly turned two-dimensional Yes, just hiding in a box and mum won't come out of the box. Why would she come out? I don't want to hang out. <laughs> okay, so can, can you tell us about, as a newsreader, what's the course of your usual day? I mean, you start on, on air in the evening, but when do you arrive at work? We get in around, uh, around this time of day, around 11, 12 o'clock. There are radio promos to write and record that I um, have to do first thing, that's sort of first thing that I have to do when I get into work and then throughout the day there are meetings that we have like production meetings in terms of what stories are going where we talk to producers and directors we work out the technicalities of who we're going to interview how it's going to happen where it is in the bulletin there might be pre-recorded interviews that Anton and I have to do as glamorous as it sounds it's usually a a rush for hair and makeup we're in there just trying to slap it on and try and cover up the lack of sleep that I've had <laughs> with my two girls well it doesn't seem like that when you're on tv oh that's <laughs> kind of you that much I mean you've got actually quite a big style following there's you know blogs and and magazines that you've appeared in yeah just because you dress fabulously you always look fabulous on tv is being a style icon strange to you or is it kind of like yeah no that makes sense I wouldn't go that far, Ash. <laughs> I, I don't know if I could quite call myself a style icon, but it's definitely a perk of the gig. We have a great team. There's a couple of women in the style uh, styling department, Leslie Crawford and Kylie Gonder, and they do an amazing job. And that's the fun bit, when I can send... Kylie and Les, a little link to a dress that I love or a jacket or something. That's, yeah, it's the fun bit of the job, definitely. So I'm glad that, yeah, there are people that tune in and, you know, tell you good or bad how you look. And it's also quite fun to come home and have my eldest daughter, Odessa, ask me what I was, well, give me a little commentary on what I was wearing. What did she say? If it's a colour, I usually get a tick of approval so she'll say mommy I loved that red dress you had on and you looked gorgeous <laughs> she's she's got some great little expression she uses and um but if it's a black suit she'll just the mind boggles she just can't why would you wear black why would you wear a black suit so yeah it's pretty funny does it change the way that you dress having Odessa's commentary no. You know, particularly bright colours? No, not at all. A, no. a spot T-shirt? <laughs> something, something Wiggles merchandise? <laughs> yeah, that's right. No, that is, I've drawn the line at any sort of cartoon or, yeah, franchise sort of merchandise. There's no labels like that right. in her wardrobe. Oh, mine. <laughs> I'm talking about her wardrobe, oh, okay. not mine. <laughs> so, yeah, I, that kind of goes without saying that you're not going to wear it. <laughs> One thing I do want to ask you, you've done a bunch of interviews throughout your time as a journalist and I've seen a few of your TV interviews, you've, you know, interviewed Jeffrey Rush, Sixto Sugarman, Rodriguez, yeah. Julia Gillard. What, what's one of your most difficult interviews and why? 
Oh, gosh. You know, it's often uh, the whole Palestinian-Israeli situation is very difficult um, and it's on both sides, absolutely both sides if we're... We don't do as many interviews as we used to, but it's just very difficult, I find, to get a really straightforward answer on what the real situation is on either side over there. It's just, it's a it's a quagmire, it's a bit of a mess and... And you don't want to come across as being either way when you're interviewing someone, Well, it, exactly. And I just, you know, in my own heart, I can only hope that one day somewhere, somehow, it'll be sorted out by peaceful means. We have an artist called Fela Kuti to play for our yes. listeners next. Could Fantastic. You tell, could you tell us a bit about this artist and why you like him? Well, I started getting into this Afrobeat sound, I suppose, around about the time I graduated from university. So I was in my early 20s. And again, it was an African connection for me to have. Now, this guy was quite a firebrand. He was um, very political, controversial. Um, he he actually wanted to secede from his homeland of Nigeria and build his own nation state. He was full on. <laughs> yeah. So I play trumpet and also want to make my own nation state. That's Hi, right. I'm Bella Cudi. <laughs> We've all been there, Yeah, Ash. I know, right? I <laughs> he also uh, was a polygamist, so I believe he had a... a wedding ceremony where he married was about 27 women wow so is that all of his wives or is that just one of his weddings I'm not sure I think that might have been the wedding to end all weddings but he was yeah he honeymoon I'd rather not actually (laughs) (laughs) uh yeah so he was he was a full-on dude and he made the most amazing music on fbn 94.5 my guest today janice k peterson who you might see on weeknights giving you the world news
reason that you wanted to bring that one on because I mean it kind of was part of what sparked your love life. Well, yeah, who knew? You see, this is the the twenty seven wives thing again, perhaps. Yeah, and you're like, maybe I want to be one of them. <laughs> well, I used to when I graduated from university, I got myself a summer job because I was completely daunted by what on earth I was going to do with my life. So I got myself a job in a pretty horrible record shop called Sanity. Oh, do you remember Sanity? I do, (laughs) indeed, yeah. And so I used to work in the, the main section of the store and they had a separate section which was a bit cooler and that was called the Dance Arena. I would go in there on my lunch break and they had quite a small section, but a very influential section as it would turn out, play out in my life, on um, Afrobeat and dub and reggae and stuff. So I used to go into this, venture into the dance arena and pull out uh, Fella Cootie or Toots and the Maytals, mm. um, Tony Allen CDs and, and sometimes commandeer the dance arena CD player or record <laughs> player and put on my tracks or go get a stylus from behind the counter and play my my vinyl records and it caught the attention of a fellow employee there okay and his name was Julian Hamilton that sounds familiar why does that sound familiar probably because I don't know maybe he's FBI royalty technically (laughs) (laughs) I'd love to hear that which means you're part of the royal family (laughs) you can take anything out of our fridge whenever you want to oh just just (laughs) Just call us Wills and Kate and be done with it. <laughs> All right. Yeah. <laughs> so so he approached you because he liked your taste in music then? Well, it was, yeah, it was purely a- about music. We um, developed a little bit of a friendship. I think he quite enjoyed me coming up there and playing something completely different. Um, and I don't think he knew that much about that sort of music I was just learning myself and getting getting an appreciation and yeah so we developed quite a nice purely platonic relationship over music but it was really lovely to meet someone like-minded so when I came across him a couple of years later we bumped into each other that's when sparks flew and dub played in the back of your head that's right and it (laughs) does to this day (laughs) so so we were also going to bring another track on that ended up getting shafted off the list called Cookie by Julian Hamilton's band The Presets. Yes. And why did that one get shafted off the list? Well, look, Cookie, I mean, this whole segment is about uh, songs that aren't necessarily my favourite but have some, I have some relationship to. So this the song called Cookie is basically about an intriguing hot newsreader with Ooh. brown with cookie brown eyes and of course i always thought it was about me it's terribly specific it is <laughs> and so when i was putting this list together a couple of days ago i was telling julian about my selections and he was like yeah that's a good track and that's a good track and yeah i like that story and um i'm thinking I was saying, I'm just, I haven't quite decided what preset song to play. But oh, maybe Cookie, you know, brown eyes. Me. <laughs> Me. <laughs> and he said, yeah, um, that's about Mary Kostikidis. What? I know. What? I know. 
I can tell you that I have gone for years thinking my sweetheart has written this song about how hot I am, but in fact it was about someone else. Someone you were rolling the auto cue for. <laughs> Trouble in paradise. Look, I, I, it, it was his. Um, Mary Costakidis was pretty much his his crush as a boy, and. In his defence, he did sort of turn around after we'd had this standoff the other night and he said, well, you know, at least I did end up with a newsreader. <laughs> so it's maybe it's kind of about you. But, yeah, I don't know. He, he needs to pay for that. So we've had to change that song out and now you've got If I Know You. Now what about this song made you made it a, a close runner-up to the one that was not really about you? <laughs> <laughs> well, this one's not about me as far as I know either but uh again Come on, Julian, get your act together get your act well <laughs> look he would probably argue that you know his career's gone okay without writing songs about me so I'm not sure if he's going to change things up anytime soon but this particular song as, as you haven't guessed already I'm pretty nostalgic sort of gal for my teenage years and there's something about this song and together with the film clip which is beautifully shot in LA and, and features this amazing group of teenage dancers there's something that captures this with the song and the clip that sort of captures the twilight years of teenagehood that I really love there's something slightly Bill Henson-esque about the clip as well I just really like this song. It is If I Know You by The Presets. My guest today on Out of the Box is Janice Peterson. Clever liar, fool on us all Never thought I'd work it out I could have known it was ever about you, boy Now there's nothing to say Cause there's no words And we're not talking anyhow must have known I was never to doubt you, boy. If it was so fine, it was so good. Oh, you're unbelievable. All this time I've been living without you, boy. Not your lying. It felt so good. Well, don't know. Don't forget that I was the one that you found and found Yeah. 
satisfaction. So why did you see fit to put Cat Power on the airwaves? That is a cover of a Rolling Stones song. It's completely different to the original, but uh, I just love her, those whiskey-soaked, smoky, sexy voices. It's an authentic voice. A lot of her songs are deceptively simple. I don't think she's the world's best piano player or guitarist, but there's something about the simplicity of it that really speaks to me. I saw her many, many years ago in the late 90s. She played at a place called the Harborside Brasserie in Sydney and she was incredibly shy. She hardly looked up from this thick curtain of hair she had in front of her face. That was one experience of Cat Power. I saw her most recently at the Sydney Opera House three or four years ago. And then in the middle, she was completely shambolic at the Gaelic Club. An absolute, oh God, I that place. <laughs> an absolute mess she had. She'd somehow, someone had thrown a bouquet of flowers on stage. She was playing the piano. She sort of stopped her song. She picked up the flowers, ripped them out of the plastic, shoved them down her, the crack of her buttocks and kept playing then she just she was harassing abusing the crowd she had so much contempt for the audience I'd never seen anything like it she was a complete loose cannon she ended up getting down from the stage you know swearing at people telling them what are you doing here anyway and then laying on the floor and sort of flailing about and singing she still had an amazing voice but she was a bit of a mess and it was such a spectacle merge I think her album called the greatest was when she sobered up she found a bit more clarity and it's really beautiful to see that she's she's a bit more of a solid person these days it's been a great playlist Oh, it's been an absolute pleasure. I've, I was so thrilled to get the invitation. So thanks so much for reaching out, Ash. It's been great. So the last track that you've brought on for today is called Skylarking. Tell us about this one and why you wanted to bring it on. Well, this is, I've spent a lot of time uh, talking about my teenage years, but I wanted to bring something back to today and, um, and then things that are important today. And Julian and I have two little girls, which has curbed our sort of social habits over night time. We're pretty confined to the home these days. So on a Friday night, usually involves a bit of nice wine and cheese. And then we'll put on some awesome scar or dub and have a bit of a dance in the kitchen. And Horace Andy Skylarking has been a song that I've played for many years and do to this day. 
said 